Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Soka, directed by Park Chan-wook and released in 2013. This review does contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen Stoker yet and you're looking forward to it, uh, you might want to turn it off and come back and listen to the podcast after you've seen the movie. Stoker tells the story of India, a solitary young woman. After India's fa- father dies, her mysterious uncle Charlie, whom she never even knew existed, shows up and moves in with India and her mother in their rambling country house. Merry widow Evelyn is delighted to have a new man in the house, but India is not so sure, and then people start to go missing. Very mysterious. Okay, so this movie was written by Wentworth Miller from Prison Break Mm -hmm. under a different name so that he could get the script sort of shipped around without people knowing that he was a – it was by a sort of established TV actor. Mm, And it ended up on the blacklist. Yes, which is the list of sort of the most – like the best best unproduced unproduced, Uh, screenplays. Screenplays in Hollywood. Uh, And Wentworth Miller was on Buffy. Yeah, he was. You probably know him best from Prison Break, but he is a best known as an actor, and he's written this script, and um, it's amazing. He, he was he was one of the fish people on Buffy. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> yes, the script is really good. It's I, a I, really good movie. Uh, I saw all these reviews before it came out, or you know, in the last few days, that were all like, it's all style over substance, and the plot isn't that good, and it all takes you somewhere where you've been before. This movie takes you somewhere you've never been before, mainly because the protagonist slash anti-hero figure is a girl, a teenage girl, and this is all about basically her coming of age and and becoming an adult and, like, it's all, you know, her sexuality and all that sort of thing and her violence and power, and it's fantastic. I love it. It is really good. It is, um, I think perhaps if they're saying something along the lines of it goes somewhere other things have been, it's because it is heavily Hitchcock-inspired. Yeah. Um, movie we haven't seen, but I own, and so we will totally watch it, a Shadow of a Doubt, which came out in 1943, which also has a mysterious Uncle Charlie and mm. some similar plot elements, I believe. And it's, it's quite Hitchcockian in its sort of flavour. But yes, absolutely. We have a girl lead. <laughs> it's sort of Hitchcock run through the Adams family mm. and come out the other side of it. Indeed. Um, I, was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say American Gothic, actually. Yeah. That was where I was going. Um, there's also... I think I don't know if if uh, he also mentioned that Dracula was one of the inspirations and for it. And indeed, it is called Stoker. It is called Stoker. I I don't know if it's supposed to be supernatural, but uh, throughout the movie, India and Charlie do mention a lot of the time that they have like these special advanced senses. Mm-hmm. They can see and hear things that nobody else notices. So when uh, India is doing a painting of a vase, she's painting the inside of the pattern on the inside of a vase mm-hmm. instead of the actual vase full of flowers. There's all these sorts of little hints and things and and there's these hints that it's just kind of a a family legacy it's in them that they're going to be killers basically Mm, she's clearly got this affinity for spiders that seem to come to her and want to see i thought the spiders were a metaphor for her sexuality because they start out at her feet which you know there's this whole shoe metaphor in it yeah yeah Oh, okay. Well, there's that. That was I, my theory about that. But every single shot in I, this movie is... I have to is... admit, the, um, the supernatural element did kind of pass pass me over. I was kind of sort of head-scratching as to why it was called Stoker. But yeah, yeah uh, okay, that makes that makes sense. And now I'm seeing this extra layer of subtlety in there. It's so good. Puck's trying to come inside. Oh, <laughs> the cat is scratching at the door. We're just going to let him in. Come in. Come in. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's just gorgeous. Uh, it so it follows the story of India after her dad dies uh, in mysterious car accident and everything. Um, sort of, it, and that happens on her eighteenth birthday. Yes, uh, and then everything kind of follows on from that. She's mourning, and and at first I didn't know when it was set either. Mm. Well, this is one of the things about it. It's got that classic English country house, the nineteen thirties kind of vibe about it, and you don't actually know when it is set, but it. As we move on, this weird clash, you actually realise that India lives in the modern world. Mm. I mean, she dresses like a hipster, so she could have come from any era. Yeah, and her mum's in all these, you know, vampish gowns. era, yeah. Which could possibly be around now as well. But the the thing that got me is that there's no TV in their house. Their radio looks like it's from the 20s. There's nothing to suggest that they live. She doesn't even own a laptop or an iPad or an iPhone. (laughs) No, she has a phone that we see at one point. But we only see it once for about 30 seconds as a plot point, yes. and that's it. And it's a kind of an old phone anyway. Yeah, it's it so has, odd. But it, aside was, from that... It is it, hard to tell, but I think that's kind of how it's meant to be. I think the idea is it kind of timeless. And, and of course, there is that 1940s kind of vibe going on, the Hitchcock blonde ice queen, Nicole Kidman, um, <laughs> who plays the mother, doing exactly what Nicole Kidman does, which is play blonde ice queens. She's um, that, That's the kind of role she just walks through she's good yeah she's really good in this oh, yeah. but i think there's also there's this layer to her where she's just it feels i felt to me like she was repressing this stuff her whole life mm-hmm. um that she'd always known that india was different and that india always connected with the father more uh richard more and then there's these other little things where it seems like she's really jealous of india as well yes um because she- first india sort of takes richard away from Evelyn. And then when Charlie shows up, Charlie shows an interest in Evelyn for a while and they flirt and they have sort of this sexual tension going on. And then India kind of takes over that as well in this weird sort of incestuous thing. Mm, yeah. She just seem incredibly resentful of her daughter. There's a, she even has a big monologue at some point about how she kind of, she talks about having children and the, the implication is that she really probably shouldn't ever have had a child that she's not really into mothering. Yeah. I don't know whether, like, it, it seems almost like that That may have been the case in the first place, but it may also be something that she sort of is, that grew afterwards, after Indeed, she had the child and she started to realise that. This girl has yeah, a much closer relationship with her father. And then this whole Uncle Charlie, now it's never quite made clear how much the mother knows about Uncle Charlie, who is the, the dead father's brother, but the implication is that she doesn't, she knows that there is a family secret connected to Charlie. She knows, this, and she knows that there's something wrong with India, but she hasn't quite put the whole picture together the way yeah. the way uh, Richard, the father, has. Or well, did he, he, he died. knew though, yes, because he, he was there. What happened was Charlie killed um, their brother, their baby brother, when Spoiler he was a kid. Alert. And I was going to talk about the very end as well because I think one of the reasons why the end is so so great is because I was having I was thinking a lot during this movie, mm-hmm. um, and Likewise. I'm thinking towards the end of the movie I was like she can't actually take this power unless she kills Charlie, if she because there's this scene where Charlie's about to kill Evelyn. Yes. And I was sitting there watching it going, I really hope she doesn't kill Evelyn because if she wants to really take this power on, she's going to have to kill Charlie because he's the one who has it. And he yes. becomes her mentor in discovering herself and her power. But he's also not as so self-actualized is, or realized as she is. Neither can live while the other survives. Yes, that's exactly Indeed. what I'm saying. Okay. And so when she kills Charlie instead of her mother and allows her mother to live but then doesn't stay living with her, I thought that was a really great, powerful sort of message 
Um, I agree. I really about do. taking power from men and all this other stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> absolutely. No, I agree with that. I thought that was absolutely the right way for it to end because as much as the, the mother is quite ambivalent figure throughout the whole mm. thing and, and we as the audience go back and forward from liking her and feeling sorry for her and just feeling like she's a spoiled brat. But in the end, what it comes to is that she actually does need to kill the uncle in order to mm. move on with her own life. Yeah, and and it's the other thing that I love is how each scene that happened earlier in the movie takes on layers of meaning later on in the movie. Yeah, and especially when you revisit it, revisit them. But there's another scene. There's one scene early in the movie where um where India's on the bed and yes. she's doing the snow angel thing, mm-hmm. and then later on in the movie you see Charlie doing that over the site where he's buried the little brother. Yeah, and I completely forgot about that until I saw a a picture later on, and I was like, oh my god. Oh, I, yeah, well, I'd forgotten about it until you just mentioned it now. Yeah. But one of you do bring up an important point, which is one of the amazing storytelling devices they use in this is that you see part of a scene or you something happens and then you sort of you do that thing where you cut to you know five minutes later and we're Mm. driving home or whatever and over the course of the next few scenes eventually we in flashback we go back and see what really happened are you talking about the scene particularly i'm talking about the scene following her rape yes well so well the attempted rape yeah because because we sort of we see uncle charlie kill the guy no we don't we see them tie him up. Yeah. And, and then she then kicks it, him. And she kicks him. And then him, she and heads then for the shower. And then yeah. we cut to driving up the driveway and she heads for the shower. And then then we get this fabulous shower scene. This is honestly that whole thing is one of my favourite scenes in movies in the last like five years. So well done. And oh, we just killed me. In flashback, we start to see what's going on and we think that this poor girl has been traumatised by all of this and we see bit by bit by bit what she watched happen, what happened, mm. how it all went and how they how it ended and what she discovered afterwards and then it just finishes and, and you realise that indeed she has not been traumatised at all. No, she's and been she's turned on by off, everything. getting off on it. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, so good. Wow, it's so well done. And, you know, to see a woman masturbating on screen is like amazing anyway mm. and, never and happens but it's such just, a good scene also like the morning after we'd see the cindy lauper concert last night the only other famous pop culture woman i can think of masturbating anyway or who's famous for talking about female masturbation anyway that's i digress um <laughs> but yeah wow yeah and it's just such a like it's, but it's not the only time it happens in the movie there are other scenes where we see something happen and then we just move on uh, for mm. instance with the housekeeper yeah we see the him talking to the housekeeper in the garden shed or whatever the conservatory yeah to be fair the first time we don't like even when we see what actually happens with her it's something that sort of i don't think that india realized when she first saw it no because what he's doing is he's putting his hands on the housekeeper's neck to strangle her Mm. but india doesn't know that at the time either so when we first see it we don't see it so we're sort of so but taken along on the ride with her but then we come back to the scene Mm -hmm. we see it again and it all flows into context and that leads up to finding the body yeah and it i just flashback as a device is used really really cleverly yeah and to me it all comes back to this idea that like this is one of these characters that are so popular right now these morally ambiguous uh characters who are often killers but really charming and sort of most of the time you're rooting for them but then you realize what they're doing and india is really that character in this movie she is, yes. we get to see her sort of origin story as this what we assume is going, she's going to become a killer. Mm-hmm. Although 
most of the kills in the movie are either justified or to cover up something that's happened. Mm -hmm. uh, we get the feeling that that's sort of her nature. That's who she yeah, is. But that seems to be Charlie's thing too. It's all it's about covering up something. Charlie is, or do you, you know, dealing with an inconvenience. Yeah, Charlie is sort of, I think, less sympathetic in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, but he's also got Matthew Good is great in this movie. God, he comes good. in oozing this charm that you just know there's something wrong behind it, mm. but it's you still kind of get swept up in it. Well, that's the thing, and one of the things is from the very beginning, you know, there's something wrong with this guy, mm. and that things are not right, and you cannot trust him, and that's never un. You don't. You, there's never any doubt about that. Yeah. Yet. We do manage to maintain this suspense and this scariness and worry all the way through as to what's going to happen. Yeah, how's this going to work? And just and that's all fascination of watching it. How it's shot as well, like oh, the beautiful. way gorgeous shots so of beautiful. long shots and empty space, you know, that sort of thing, and then really tight close-ups and just this long takes of, for instance. India avoiding Charlie by going around the outside of the house. Mm. It was terrific. I loved that scene. Mm. And then she finds him standing above her and it freaks her out, uh, all of that sort of thing. But she's just really – Mia Vasikowska does a great job. Nicole Kimmon does a great job. Um, and Matthew Good, you know, is amazing. And all three of them in the scenes together are just so good. They sort of bounce off each other really, really well. But Matthew Good brings this sort of – this kind of ominous creepiness to Charlie. But towards the end of it, you discover he's basically sort of just a creep. Yeah, it's gross. I, actually, I find it interesting that the original casting for that role was Colin Firth. I'm really glad they didn't do that. <laughs> I actually think they've – Colin Firth was almost too charming. Like he's almost too charming to have that edge of menace, the way that Matthew Good does so well. He walks, through, he walks a line for a long, long time before finally tipping over. I'm edge. just amazed that – Colin Firth would have been cast as this American character anyway, which, by the way, you've got British anyway. two Australians and a British guy In playing Americans once again. I don't understand why there's so much of this. Like, uh, and then why we also is get, this not uh, a British uh, film? Jackie Weaver, it's... another Australian actress yes. in an American cameo, doing her best Liza impersonation, I thought, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> She's so fabulous. But, you know, it's the way of Hollywood now. I mean, it is. The it's director's really Korean odd. and he doesn't speak much English and the actors are Australian and British and But the thing is, the else. thing that, that sort of gets me is that there are all these different nationalities and they're all just making American movies about American people. American this story. could easily be a British story and yet it's an American story about American people. It's so strange. That, that was actually one of the interesting things because I, I think I talked about this just before about the English country house murder mystery meets that kind of American Gothic. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's almost, and it, you really clash up against it, not so much American Gothic, but you really clash up against it when later on you realize she's at this regular high school. Yeah. And also, and then she goes to meet a boy she's sort of interested in, and he's all leathered up and on a motorcycle and rebel without a cause outside a diner. Hmm. You forget that you're watching a movie that's set in modern day America. Which yeah, I thought of it as sort of like the ultimate sort of gothic hipster's wet dream. Uh, yeah, that it's oh, this. <laughs> yeah, the hipsters, oh, wow. Like you could Instagram the whole thing, you know, the the whole sort of all these shots and oh, everything. Oh, no, this doesn't need any filters. Uh, it's beautiful as it is. I know, but you know what yeah, I mean. I like that, what sort mean. Of, that sort of attention well, to detail of this really, really pretty thing that the, I saw. Uh, the sorts of shoes that she's wearing throughout the yeah. whole film until a very pivotal part at the end where she does finally take her own power and become the killer she's supposed to be. She's wearing these those I think they're called brogues. The saddle they're shoes. Saddle shoes, right. Little yet yeah, 
flat lace-up shoes and she wears these pretty feminine skirts and blouses that she buttons right to the top. It's her Victorian morning gear that she's been researching. Yes, but she was so good. Mia Vazikovska was, for me, the standout performance. She was amazing. Well, she's the anchoring performance as well. She holds the whole thing together and she does this amazing job. job. And the thing is you can sort of see her blossoming without it being obviously stated you can Mm. just see it happening and then there's some moments where she thinks she's gotten there but then something pulls her back like the letters when she she's got her hair up when she goes to read these letters that she discovers from charlie and then she pulls her hair out again like she's rediscovered the innocence but then she goes up to talk to him and and she finds out that he actually instead of traveling around like he said he's been he was in an institution yeah and that pulls her back into so there's actually a a visual thing that you can see of her her trying to manage that line mm. and 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 the two sides of her this innocent little girl and and the grown woman kind of fighting against each other mm. and then that shot that's the opening and the ending um is one of her in this whole outfit that she's sort of created from things that her family she's gotten from her family mm. so her father's belt her mother's blouse the shoes her uncle gave her uh all coming together to make up her but then who she is is more than all of that Yes, absolutely. It's really great. Yeah, it, I didn't actually notice the hair thing, but the outfit thing was important. And you don't. And again, it's it's one. That's another scene where the, the scene that it opens with with her. She t- talks about standing there in her father's belt and her mother's mm. blouse, and you see her walking along. And then we freeze frame, and we go back to this. Well, we don't know we're going back, but we've gone back to the start, mm. and we start to tell this story. And it's. We end up there at the end, and yeah. in flashback, we see more of the scene. We see what's really going on, what came before, and what came after, and we are now clued into the story. It's just gorgeous use of flashback again. Like, yeah, and every shot sort of every shot means something. There's nothing that's just this throwaway, no. like scene that you see. Everything uh, there's this scene where she gets a blister and she poses opposite a statue that she's mirroring the statue exactly. Mm. Uh, there's all these really, like, she goes up a tree and she finds a box and we find out later what the box means. All of this sort of, these really cute, clever little tricks and mm. and this storytelling device that doesn't necessarily only rely on telling us everything, which is no. so common these days it's, in movies. It's all shown, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and not just shown, but it expects you to remember what's happened before. Mm, and expects you to do some work. Absolutely. Because yeah. when you see the lock that the key in the box unlocks, it expects you to remember that she found it. Yes. You know, there's this sort of – and the people in the cinema sort of all <laughs> – I heard a lot of people going, oh, you know, no. like, oh, I'm so clever because I remember how <laughs> that she yeah. found it. But but it, it is – it's this sort of smarter film than that. And that's one of the reasons why I get so frustrated when people just say, oh, it's all style, it's all style. No. But the style's telling the story as much as the story is in a sense. Well, if it were just all style, I would have got irritated and given it three stars. Like I've been, you know, like I just do. But I did, I'm not. I really enjoyed it and got caught up in it mm. and just ha- am happy to spend time in this world and looking at this. And it, it never feels like it's pretentious. Like there's no sort of insert arty shot here or a take that goes on just a little too long or anything like that. It all does exactly what it's supposed to do and it's very yeah. precise. And it- Yeah, well, pretentious is essentially when there's – when there is no substance to it. Pretentious yeah. is thinking that it's something that it's not. This movie knows exactly what it is and it's showing you what it is in yeah. every single scene, mm-hmm. uh, in every line and in every sort of moment. The moment when she's at school and she stabs the boy in the hand mm. uh, with her pencil and it's so 
quick and violent and really clever. The way that that where it happens is clever, but then afterwards you see her see her sharpening the pencil, getting yeah, getting ready for God, it to happen again. Loved that. Well, exactly, and, and that's it. And because at that point we are still we know there's something weird about her, but we haven't seen her cross over yet. Yeah, and so. We see her going to walk past this group of boys and we think, oh, no, this poor girl, she's going to walk past all the horrible boys. You, know, you sort of put your own experience on it. But you see that happen, you realise she has, in fact, made a deliberate choice. And I think at the start of the scene, I was like, why is she walking down there? What, what's she, what is her end game? And I couldn't quite work it out. And then you see, you realise by the time you get to the end that she has, in fact, made a deliberate choice. And well, she's she... also avoiding Charlie out the front of the school. Well, there's that. Uh, yes. But she does make the choice instead of going back to that to – go through this and and mm. to, to stand up for herself. The thing that I got when she was walking through the woods with the other boy yes. uh, later on is the mo- the thing that I got out of that was that she's uh, she's the predator. Mm. And you oh, see yeah. it when she's on the, the, what are they called? The oh, roundabout? Merry-go-round. Merry-go-round? No, oh, it's no? The, yeah, it's like a round, you, we call them roundabouts. In Australia. It's a, play, a piece of playground equipment that spins round and round. Yes. And, yeah. I've forgotten what that's called. I think they're like a roundabout, but I don't know. No, roundabout is what you drive around. And a, but a merry-go-round has, like, horses on it. I don't know what they're called. Those uh, things. She's standing on one of those, and you don't see it. No. <laughs> so oh, she just gosh, looks like she's a hawk circling, circling her prey. Yeah. It's so great. And, yeah. like, and then she's always const- – and then there's a scene earlier on where Charlie says, do you know why you feel disadvantaged? And they're standing on the stairs, and he says, it's because I'm standing above you. Yes. And in that scene, you see her constantly standing above, above. – this this boy that she's taken out and then as soon as he starts putting the moves on her you know that he is going down yeah. that he's the one in trouble mm-hmm. because as soon as she says stop and he doesn't you know he's in trouble and that's why i think that scene works so well yeah well i mean there's a lot of that there's this both of those scenes are about subverting expectations yeah. a lot of what you're ta- taught as a girl is don't walk down that corridor where all the boys are sitting don't go into the woods late at night with a man you barely know. It's a real subversion of expectations there because she puts herself in these classic victim-blaming situations. Like, they're the kind of situations where if she had been attacked, later on everyone would have been like, what was she doing out in the – like, that that kind of victim-blaming stuff. So she, they put her into these situations which are considered classic traps for women mm. and in both of them she's very much in control and she – is the one they should be scared of. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, actually, this, the movie that it reminded me most of that we've been talking about recently is Kick-Ass. When yes. Hit Girl goes out into the woods with the boy, you know he's the one in trouble. Yes. Um, not her, you know. And, and this was yeah. the same sort of thing where you just see Absolutely. this teenage girl go out into the woods and you're like, ooh, boy, oh, you better buddy. run. Yeah, don't be <laughs> uh, doing that. <laughs> but, yeah, that first – when they kill him, it's such a deserved – death in a way like mm. you don't feel any sympathy for him so no. it's still kind of this gray area for them mm-hmm. uh until you sort of get get into it later and india really sort of takes on this mantle of accepting the killer within i suppose well, and I she's mean, always known she's different and the one that i would have found I, the where i would find it particularly difficult is um jackie weaver's character aunt june or something jen aunt jen that death, like when she finds out about that, I mean, and obviously that's part of the turning point of the film is that we know that she's found out about that Aunt Jin has been killed and she's not only okay with it, she's like this, she's getting off on it. That to me would have been the one that, because that isn't it really justifiable. Sort she's of, a nice that, that, old lady. I know, but that was, I don't think she actually, that was sort of a turning point in her becoming, She she'd already become fascinated with Charlie and she became more fascinated with Charlie, right? But I don't know if she was ever excited that, that Aunt Jin died so much as she was excited by death. 
I think, because she also gets mad. At, she, she she seems upset at Charlie about that as well. Uh, and there's this thing, I mean, later on in the film, she kills Charlie for trying to kill her, her mother, mother as well. Yeah. So I don't think that she likes. So she, I think she does. It's sort get of back this sense that she doesn't like the victims that he's picked, right. but she likes the death that he offers. And she's learning from him yeah. about how to, to get rid of a body and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and then, because then later on, she, she does learn from him and she uses that to kill him. Right. Rather than. If, so that's the taking her. Okay. So, of course, the first few deaths. Like, they're his choices and therefore they're not people she would have killed and so she she's sort of on the other side there. But that tur- the turning point is when he kills somebody who she knows deserves it. Yeah. Yes. And and I don't know. I, I'm still not convinced that she was ever happy about, that, about the people that died. Mm. It's about she gets off on death mm-hmm. and killing. And there's this fascinating, wonderful little bit uh, with the, the, that she says that her father says mm. to her when he took her hunting, because so, he could, took her all these hunting trips, mm-hmm. and he says that sometimes we have to do a little terrible thing in order to stop us from doing something worse. Yeah, and in that sense I got that he was like Dexter's father, yeah. in that he was he knew that this this existed in her and he was channeling the energy into a more healthy pursuit, yeah. which was, in, in her case, it was hunting. Um, yeah, so I thought that was that was kind of interesting, and uh, and uh, and how that scene takes on all these extra layers the further and further you get into the movie because mm. they keep coming back to that hunting scene all the way through it. Yes, uh, which is great. Uh, but yeah, there's that sense that he knew, and so she's not so much. Uh, she's really really attracted to and sexually attracted to the idea of violence and death, mm. which we don't normally get to see in female serial killers. They're no. usually killing for money or something. Or revenge. Or revenge, exactly. Children, that kind of thing. Right. This yep. is this is normally the domain of men. Yeah, she's a, that she a psychopath. is really a psychopath. Mm. Uh, but she sort of – and then she also takes her anger out on men, so she kills men. Mm. And mm. only men in the movie as well. Indeed she does, yes. Uh, so – yeah, but the, the Aunt Jen and the housekeeper thing are a little bit sort of greyer areas because that is when she starts to – at first she rejects Charlie mm. when he's trying to be her friend. But yes. when she sees that he's possibly got that same thing in him that she has in her, then she becomes more attracted to him. Right, exactly. And becomes more seduced by him. But at the same time, I don't know that she's necessarily interested in, in the kinds of killings that he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's It's sort of an odd – distinction to make i suppose but that's one that i thought maybe there was in there maybe there isn't and she just likes the idea that aunt jen died but she seemed to like aunt jen yeah she and she when she hears the the ringing under the ground she seemed to not be happy about that no no i guess she wasn't but at at the same time because she sort of turns to charlie and sort of glares at charlie Mm. like oh my god so so she she has this realization of exactly who he is Mm -hmm. and what she sees she doesn't really like yes but then obviously – But is attracted she, to. Yeah. By the time she's reached the shower, she realises that this is – Yeah. That was also part of – partly though it, – it's the neck snapping that she's getting off to in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I love that. You, no. <laughs> Not in the sense of it's actually good. I just love seeing that from that perspective. is so different and cool and I like it. Like, I would not actually ad- advocate people to get, get off, off on, on neck snapping. Neck snapping. No. It's the fact that, that she did it. 
yes. more than anything else. And and I'm not advocating anything she does in this movie. It's terrible, and we're rooting for a serial killer. But it's not like we haven't done that before. No, every review I'm reading is like, oh, it's so terrible. And I think I feel like it's only say, they're only saying okay. that because she's a girl. We must have been reading different reviews because I've been reading the some of the Australian press around this, and they are as ex- seem to be as excited about it as I am. They no, 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 they didn't seem to dislike it. Also, I went on Rotten Tomatoes, mm. and the whole front page of Rotten Tomatoes, there's not a single female reviewer. Most of the female reviews that I've read have been better. Mm. There's been a few that I haven't liked as much, but most of them have been more uh, along the lines of what we've been saying. Right. Which is just, interesting. Because I just saw a, a tweet from someone we follow in Screen Queens. I, I feel like it was Mark Fennell from um, Triple J, but I don't want to be – I don't want that to be the wrong person <laughs> if it wasn't him, but I feel like it was him, uh, saying that this is the best movie of the year. Mm. And that's and that's the kind of stuff I've been reading. It's and it's a real sort of sleeper movie. And I mean, admittedly, this podcast has been too super spoilery. But if you're not too spoiled by this, and you haven't seen it, go out and see it. Yeah, um, Empire gave it five stars. That's uh, rare. It it is rare. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people liked it. but And uh, David Stratton gave sort it of in four, different ways. so that, oh, that's wow. also rare. That's high praise. <laughs> and it's not even foreign. Uh, but, yeah. It's... But, but it is shot by a foreign director. That's true. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of my favourite movies of this year that I've seen so far. It's brilliant and it's subversive and it's interesting and it just made me think all the way through mm. the movie. I was totally engrossed mm. in the world and that I, I was watching. I was a bit nervous about watching it because I'm not very good with scary movies, but it Turns out it's more like Hitchcock and psychological thrillers, which I'm fine with. Yeah. And but it, it wasn't so it wasn't really scary as such. It wasn't like a horror movie no, which it's I'm gonna avoid. It creepy. was creepy <laughs> and atmospheric. And I just I really enjoyed it. I had a great time watching it on the big screen. I think it's it's almost worth watching on the big screen. I think uh I mean it's, it came out such a long time ago in the US that it's now out on video. On uh, DVD. Is it? Yes. I didn't I know that. I believe the release date in the US was in March or something, so we've been waiting months. For, well, we didn't know we were waiting months, <laughs> but we have, in fact, waited months for this one. So it's probably not necessarily doable on the big screen, but it, all those little details that have been – they've taken such care over look amazing on the big screen and work really, really well. And will probably work really well if you've got a Blu-ray print of it as well. Yeah, it's also worth seeing on the big screen just because it's hard to get as engrossed in a movie when you're watching it at home. Yeah. And this is one that's totally worth just just sort of... Putting down the laptop for. <laughs> putting down the laptop for, but like you just sort of give yourself over to it when you walk in. You just go, okay, I'm in the hands of this world for this the mm-hmm. next two hours or however long it is and just let it take you away. And I was t- totally delighted by this one because I I lo- did that thing that I love doing, which is to walk into a movie without knowing anything. <laughs> I knew a few things, but not that much, really. Yeah, I did basically knew nothing, and I was see. Just- I'd heard about it ages ago, and I really did think it was a vampire movie mm. from what I'd heard. Which is why six I was initially kind of like, oh, do I have to? I think I really have to actually wrap it up soon. But mm. before we go, I just want to mention one thing. The um, wine glasses in this movie were all gigantic, and that is totally Silver Screen Queen's approved size wine glasses. <laughs> yes. And I was thinking that if we ever want to go for merchandise for this show, the first thing we get is giant wine glasses. Because <laughs> yeah, we love those. Screen Queen's printed across them. That would be great. Yes. We do. We love giant wine glasses. The bigger the better. So I totally approved of Nicole Kidman's um, drinking problem with her large, <laughs> large wine glasses, along with everything else in this movie that was so awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's so, I'm just thinking about some of the other shots, like her at the table when the light comes on, and there's other things, like, um, just after that. bed with the um, shoes. Yeah, the bed with all the shoes around her. Gorgeous. 
very beautiful. But then there's also this shot just after that when when Evelyn and Charlie finally have their sort of face off moment. And there are these, there's this opening and closing of these two doors that both lead into the room. And you can tell who's in charge by who you can see and who you can't see behind the doors. Mm. Oh, it's so great. So very clever. So your rating? I gave it four and a half stars, but I, I don't know why I didn't give it five stars. I'm trying to figure it out. When I first saw it, my instinct was four and a half stars. So I guess I'm going with that. Mm, my instinct is also four and a half stars, so I'm going to stick with that too. I don't know why, though. I can't think of anything I particularly I don't like about it. I don't know. Five stars is reserved for important movies, maybe. Like Star Trek. I didn't even give Star Trek five stars, and it was my favourite, so, mm, so I don't know. you're a hard marker. I am. I'm a hard marker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, four and a half stars from yeah, me. Yeah, and also from me. So thank you very much for listening to Silver Screen Queen's for this week, we've watched Stoker. If you want to know anything more about anything we've talked about in tonight's show or read our show notes, you can do that on our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of this and all of the other movies that she watches, you can do that at her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. If you want to get in touch with either of us, we have a Facebook page, which you can like and come and say hello to us on, or you can find us on Twitter at screen underscore queens. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.